Mushala Mutibe Tiba is founder of Mashoko Nolo Tobile Foundation. Mushala, thank you so much for joining us. I really, really appreciate your time. And thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us tonight in, in your show. Tell me about Mashoko Nolo Tobile Foundation. Who is Mashoko Nolo Tobile? Mashoko Nolo Tobile is the little girl that introduced me to this world. When I was pregnant in 2014 and I gave birth prematurely because I had a ruptured womb and what happens is that when, when one has a placental abruption, that's what I had, a placental abruption, that's what it's called. And fortunately, when that happened, I was in hospital and I was 34 weeks pregnant and I had to give birth immediately so that the doctors and the nurses can save our lives because what I experienced is one of those, um, it's one of the severe it's one of the most traumatic uh, challenges that women go through during mm-hmm. pregnancy. So with placental abruption, the, 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 the placenta was detaching itself, so my daughter was going to directly uh, suck breath from me. Mm-hmm. And the both of us, if we were not near um, a health facility, we will pass on. But fortunately, I was admitted in hospital. I was being treated for UTI when that happened, and that's how I gave birth prematurely. And both of us woke up in different ICUs. She stayed in in hospital for 21 days, and I stayed in hospital for about seven days. Thereafter, I had to be discharged and leave my daughter in hospital. So this is something that I knew nothing about. Nobody in my circle has ever experienced premature birth. Yeah. So later on, a few years later, I decided to pay it forward because when I looked at my life, a lot of people gave, they contributed positively to my life, especially after matric. I've got so many qualifications that my parents did not pay a cent. A lot of people contributed for me to, to, to get those qualifications. I felt the edge to pay it forward. And that's how I started the organization, Matlohonolotobile Foundation. I named it after my daughter, who introduced us to this premier world, which we knew nothing about. Where is Matlohonolo now? She's sleeping. <laughs> it's late for her. She's sleeping. <laughs> how, how old is she? How old is she now? She's nine years old, doing grade four. Is she aware of the the process that her very young life inspired she's very much aware because in the organization she's involved she's so much in the organization there are so many programs that we host amongst them is what we call the hospital's premium moms connect sessions so we go into various hospitals and housing and we meet with new mothers that have just given birth prematurely. We introduce the organization to them so that by the time they leave the hospital, they know there's a safe space for them to 
come and vent and also celebrate their children's milestones. Because in our world, in the premium world, it's important for us to celebrate even the tiniest milestones. And a full-time family or mother would not understand why Mushala is celebrating that today my child has eaten five meals mm. of milk because that is, that is huge for us. These tiny people, they, they get born at different times of the pregnancy and some of them weigh less than the size of Rama Majerine, mm. which is about 500 grams. Fortunately, my child was born at 34 weeks and she weighed 2.2 kilograms. And we gave birth at, um, at, at Life Brain Health Hospital. So when we go into this hospital to host the sessions, Mashoro Nolo, she will host what we call the kiddies corner. That's where mothers with siblings that come into the session. While I am busy speaking to the mothers, she is busy entertaining the oh. siblings with the toys. Oh, wow. Wow. Mushala, it's, it's a, as you say, some, something that is not common, I, I imagine. Uh, the situation where you have to give birth prematurely. You gave it a name, a rapturing of the placenta. Yes, placental, yes, placental abruption. Oh, a, a, a placental abruption. G- give me a yes. sense of how common this is um, in, in just the, the whole space of childbirth uh, and, and what, sort of, what sort of levels of awareness are there about this phenomenon? You know, Aubrey, when I... When I was going through this in 2014, because li- nowadays our lives are lived on these gadgets called cell phones and iPads. Yeah. When I when I when I searched around, because I didn't understand what was happening to me, because I was being treated for UTI, and my guy was so happy that we were responding. I mean, we were responding well to the treatment. Yes. But the day before being discharged i had this pain in my tummy and when i rang the bell the sister came to check up on me they gave me painkillers and an hour later it got worse when i rang the bell they came to check up on the baby and they noticed that there's something wrong so because of their profession they can't tell me what is wrong instead they i don't understand that why, why, why can't they tell you because i'll overreact oh i see i see okay worse. Yeah. Yes, I'll overreact because at that time I was excited that the next day on the 22nd, I'm going home. Mm-hmm. I've been in hospital since the 20th. So on the 22nd of November, I'll be going home back back in my house enjoying my space, you know. And the next thing I saw was my tiny pushing the door and saying to me, Mosh, we need to rush you to theater. And I'm like, why theater? Why, what are we doing there? She says, we need to save you and the baby right now. And I said, but what about our plans? Because during the pregnancy, my doctor and I had planned a water bath. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my guy is somebody who lets you be, you know, plan, yes. tell her your, 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 your vision about the pregnancy. Yes. And she said, you know what, Mosh, there's no time for that. We need to rush to theater. And I only got told after delivery that this is what happened to you and that's why you had to give birth prematurely. And because 
I had all these plans about my pregnancy and my gynae noticed that I'm not coping. She sent a clinical psychologist to see me while I was still in ICU and she noticed that I'm not coping. Then she referred me to a psychiatrist at Akeso. I was an outpatient for Akeso for six months, two weeks in 2015. And I realized that lying on the hospital bed that only international stories were on the internet and some, many of them were written in languages that I did not understand. Yes. You know, I looked for South African story that will comfort me at the time because I cried every day of my life, mm. sleeping, lying down on that hospital bed. You know, and, you know, Aubrey, after giving birth, I only saw my daughter a day after. And how I even saw my daughter, I could not even walk. I was wheelchaired to go and see my daughter in another ICU. So we got separated. Mm. Mm. So giving birth prematurely, we don't have that advantage of holding our children closely because they need to rush the kids to ICU so that they can help them breathe. Remember, they were born prematurely and their yes. lungs are not fully developed. Well developed yeah, yeah. Fully developed. Yeah. Yes. So this is, a lot of people hardly speak about prematurity. Reason being is, I saw it with myself. When I found myself in this situation, I had negative thoughts running in my head. I had a, a whole lot of negative things, thoughts running in my head. And I think that's another issue, that we are not educated mm-hmm. about this journey. Hence, I started the organization. I said, I want us to start telling our South African prematurity stories. On the net, it was filled with international stories, yes. but I wanted us to tell our South African stories, but also I wanted the next family in South Africa, in the continent of Africa, to find my story and be comforted, knowing that they are not the first and they are not the last. Mm. There, there are other families that have also experienced prematurity. You know, I, my, my siblings, both my younger brother and younger sister were prematurely born i i was i i was a, a term baby um okay. so i i i know a little bit about uh about you know the the, the traumatic experience i suppose uh, that a mom goes through um when baby comes prematurely and both my my younger brother and younger sister were were born through cesarean cesarean section uh, uh, so there's all sorts of traumas, but it appears to me that it is something that I'm not sure whether it's a deliberate thing or not, Moshala, but, uh, is it something that, that people find hard to talk about? Is it something that there's perhaps some sort of taboo or stigma around? Give me a sense. I would say that it's hard to talk about prematurity. Because a lot of pregnant women, like myself then, when I was pregnant, I read a whole lot of books about pregnancy. None of those books ever mentioned prematurity. None. So when I found myself in the preemie world, I was shocked. I said, but why me? Mm. I asked God, why me? Mm. And... Sometimes I think 
people will think that it's taboo or people are not supposed to know that you gave birth before time. But why? I, I, I imagine, and I know, I know that we, we, <laughs> we're digressing a little bit, but I think it's very important for us to understand some of the, the issues that prim moms and babies and society are going through as far as this is concerned. Because you're right, it's not something we talk about. And I'm trying to get a sense as to why. Is it because we, 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 we're afraid, we, we're shy? What, what, what is the reason, do you think, that the conversation about premature baby doesn't find the, the limelight so much? What, what do you think the reason is? For me, first, it's lack of education because we nobody, like few people openly speak about prematurity. Yeah. Secondly, it's because you found yourself in this environment which you've never had anybody speak about. So you're still trying to figure out your way to this while you are holding on to God and prayer to say, save the little child. Mm-hmm. 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 So you're still trying, your focus is on the baby. That's why you don't even have time to entertain anybody who's going to ask you questions about how you're feeling, um, how did you get back prematurely, because we are all scared. We find ourselves in this different world. We are scared. We've never seen a tiny person in our life. We've always been told that a child comes at maybe eight weeks or 42 weeks or yes. sometimes 42 weeks. Yes. But you'll find yourself having given birth to a 25-weeker baby who weighs 500 grams. Mm. And, of course, the fears of whether or not the baby is going to survive. Will survive or not, yes. And sometimes the fears of whether or not you as mom are going to survive. Exactly. And, you know... The neonatal um, intensive care unit, it's not a normal ward. Mm. When you get in there and find your little baby lying down there with all these tubes and drips, oh, and my, sometimes you yeah. find your sisters or the, or, or, or the doctor pricking the baby, the baby crying endlessly. Others, others because they're so tiny, they are covered in plastics. It's just a lot. That yeah. on its own, you... It's something that you don't even want to talk about. <laughs> we are focused on prayer, praying for this little human being to make it. <laughs> All right. So, so, so now baby is born, baby goes through the process uh, of, 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 I suppose, being in- incubated. Um, where are you at that time? I woke up in ICU. And I saw my child a day after. Fortunately, she got to spend her first few hours with her dad. And I could not work, walk as mentioned, due to the emergency section. I had to get a physio that did exercises with me in the morning and and in the evening. Two days, two consecutive days where I was pushed on a wheelchair to go and see my child in ICU. So we get separated. We are not in the maternity ward where your child is next to you. Mm. The child is in the neonatal intensive care unit. Mm. And you are in a different ward. You have to go and visit your child now and again, deliver milk, 
try and get there, speak to your child. And I remember the second day when I went to visit my child, she was not at her bedside and I got a shock of my life. I asked the sister, the nurses, where's my child? They said, your child went for a brain scan. And I said, what does that mean? When they explained to me, they said, um, during the, 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 the pediatrician takes the child for a brain scan so that they check if there were no complications during um, the emergency C-section. Yeah. Yeah. That alone just changed my world because I thought the way things happened so fast to me, what if my child has head injuries? What if my child has is bleeding? You know, I had so many questions. I remember walking back to the to to to, to ICU and I said to God, if there's ever time for you to forgive me it's now, I don't think I can handle raising up a disabled child. I was so scared because the way the, 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 the nurses said to me that, no, they are going to check. But the other one assured me that there's nothing wrong with your child. It's yeah. just a procedure. Mm. You're speaking to God at that time in prayer and you're saying... You're speaking to, you know, this journey, prematurity, yeah. will teach you to pray more than you've ever prayed before. Mm. Because you, you want yourself and the baby to survive. Yeah. But you say the to, third day when I went to see my child in in, in, in the NICU, yeah. she had jaundice. I knew nothing about jaundice. She was, she had her, her eyes were were covered when when they opened those eyes for me to see. They were yellowish, and I said, "But what's happening to my child?" One thing after the other, they said, "No, this is normal because they were born premature. They go through the stages." Hmm. And at that time, because she was born at 2.2 kilograms, she drastically lost the weight the first few days in the NICU. And the sisters kept assuring me that it's normal, it's okay for the baby to lose weight. It's normal. And of course, from your point of view, <laughs> this can't be normal at all, right? I mean... Um... It can't. It can't. And at that time, I can't even hold my child. I can't even... Touch, uh, 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 um, hold my child to breastfeed. I need to express milk for her. Yes. Under that stress, I need to try and calm down, express milk for my child so that they can feed with a tube. I've never seen that before in my life. I've always known that a mother falls pregnant, yeah. they give birth, they hold their child and start breastfeeding. I never knew that I had to express my child showed me how express and she was saying to me you don't have to buy a, um, a breast pump while i was in icu i was expressing under stress i was expressing and they would tell me please try and say come because we need your milk the baby needs your milk i'm, I'm thinking moshala about about the fact that obviously babies have been born prematurely even in generations before yourself. But those babies probably never survived the ordeal because of, one, a lack of education, but also a lack of resources, medical resources, to be able to help that child. So I imagine that many of those babies passed on. 
and that must be part of the reason why the conversation about prematurity, even amongst traditional midwives, is not talked about too much because of the dark cloud it represents amongst our people? I think so. And because this journey, it's so traumatic. We, since I, since I started the organization, I realized that due to the emergency section, some mothers, they pass on a few days after giving birth and leave their children to fight for their life while they're in heaven. Mm. And at the same time, there are mothers that struggle to accept what they are going through. We constantly encourage them in the organization to seek professional help, speak to a professional. And fortunately, with the public hospitals that we work with in Gauteng, like Yorema Musa, they do have social workers that come on a daily basis to speak to the mothers that are currently there in the hospital. And when we go in there to visit them, we advise them to continue with the session, even when the baby gets discharged. But I saw it with myself. I used to, I had a psychiatrist. I used to speak to my daughter, uh, to, to my gynae. I spoke to my daughter's pediatrician every time we went to, to, to consult. I spoke to my mother. I spoke to a few people that I met that, that were going through the journey. It's often better speaking to somebody who understands the journey. It's often better speaking to somebody who has been through the journey. Deboho sends me a message now on the WhatsApp line. says, hi guys, me and my wife went through the same situation of having to deal with uh, a a premature baby. Uh, It was not easy, but guys, I can tell you, our daughter is now nine months old and healthy as it comes. She is so brilliant. She uh, uttered her first words today. Oh my, she's so good. And the staff at uh, Brenthurst were excellent. It... uh, it is not an easy road, but it is possible. We went through everything uh, this lady is talking about, and that is from Debo uh, uh Mushala, I'm interested to hear about your husband during this process. And you were saying that he was there also. How, how was he? How was he? And I don't know whether you had the presence of mind at the t- time to observe him. But how was he during this time? And I ask this question because, you know, pregnancy, childbirth are a very, very um, fragile moment. Very, very, yeah, it's a very fragile moment that requires a lot of protection, a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of presence, right? Um, uh, How was your husband during that time? I'm not married, so my oh, partner at that time... Quite, sorry, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so my partner at that time, he was... You know, it, men deal with situations differently. They're mm. unlike us women. We openly talk about mm. how we feel. And I remember when I was going for my second session with the psychiatrist, I said to him... This is what I'm going through, and please come with me for support. Men being men, he said, no, it's fine. I'm here with you. You can go in. I'll wait for you outside. 
And he dealt with the situation his own way. I remember saying to, to, to me that I can't go and speak to somebody I don't know about my feelings. That person will never understand me. Mm. And I tried explaining to him, or no, that they understand they were trained to, 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 to work with the human mind. Yes. But he dealt with the situation differently. But there were moments where when the child was sick or when the child would be sick at night and you'll be like, yo, this is difficult. <laughs> I don't know how to deal with this. And sometimes he himself didn't know how to support us because sometimes I would break down and cry. Seeing my child sick again in the hospital, I remember there was one time when my child had infection and she was admitted back in at, at Life Brain Health and they could not find veins on her hands, on her legs, anywhere. They had to go up to the head, put a drip on the head. Yeah. That just traumatized me. See, the, 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 the reason why I asked the question about baby daddy is, is because as men particularly from our community, we're not taught how to be supportive of our, uh, of our partners when they are in the childbearing process. We, we don't know how to, because usually that is handled by woko woko, um, you know, uh, but, but, but we, we, we are living more and more in a westernized kind of environment where we're not, uh, all living in one homestead so that can be part of the process of giving that. So it's just you and your partner sometimes. And then, and then, we, and very often we don't, we don't know how to, how to support. We don't know how to be vulnerable. We don't know how to be, how to, to be compassionate. And, and, and the reason why I asked that question is, is because I'm wondering whether part of the programs of, uh, uh, uh Foundation are not about helping men, um, learn how to be supportive in that space. Um, do, do, do you see what I'm trying to say? Yes, because, involved. yeah, because, 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 because absolutely, because I, I think that you as women are already carrying the baby in in the practical sense, but you're also carrying the issues. And if we as men were to know how to or, or, or volunteer ourselves a little more readily in that process, I think that that ordeal would be less traumatic for you as moms in that time. Do you agree? I agree. I fully agree with you. But unfortunately, men are different. And there are some men during this hospital connect session. There are men that sit in our sessions and they contribute. Mm. They are there supporting their wives 24-7. So unfortunately, they are not the same and men are not wired the same. Of course, of course, of course, of course. So there are men that attend our sessions. Yeah. There are men that attend our sessions, but when I started the organization, I had a conversation with him, and he said, I will support you. Yes. But I cannot do what you are doing, but I will always be there to support you. Sure, 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 sure. You see, because I, I think I think this thing, Yaruna, as men of, of, of saying, no, no, we'll be in the background, I, it, it, it is, would have been okay, perhaps, during the days when 
the nurturing and the and the and the comforting of mom had everybody. You know, back in the day, there was Hoya Streets. You know, you'd you'd go back to your family uh, as the mom mm-hmm. and 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 the the midwives of your of your family and the mothers and the aunts would be there to protect and to, to nurture and all of that kind of stuff. And what that, uh, what that did is that it freed us as men uh, from the process uh, in many, many ways because it was always understood, no, this is not a thing that men must be involved in. It's, it's uh, And I'm wondering whether, whether it, is it not time now to be a little more proactive about saying, Yes, maybe there was a time that that was the case, but now we need more involvement, more, more active involvement of the men, the, particularly the daddies, the baby daddies in that process. And I'm interested to hear what, what, what is that conversation like uh, from the foundation's point of view? Well, with prematurity, you are forced to be involved one way or the other as the dad. Because it gets to a point where as the mother, I'm exhausted. You need to take over the night shift or the day shift or that sick child. You need to take control as well. It's not a one-way road, but it's a two-way road. That the both partners need to be involved. So what I've discovered since the formation of Masawanolo Tobile Foundation has mentioned that in the sessions, because we're going to the hospitals like tomorrow, we are hosting another um, hospital session at Lifebrain Health. So those mothers, will, those families, premature families, will go into the hospital at 8 o'clock to visit their, to, to spend time with their kids at the NICU. Once they are done, half past nine, they are coming to the foundation, will be at the hospital's boardroom, and they are coming with their partners to come and sit in and hear what, what is it that we have to say to them. And the, and the husband, I love the fact that they are engaging, they are asking questions. They are, they are so involved. Yes. And as the organization, some of the programs that we've also started hosting two years ago, it's what we call a five-kilometer family fun walk. That is an initiative where we host during a Prematurity Awareness Month, which is November. Yes. That walk is open to the public. It's open to everybody. It's and, not and, limited. And, and, and that's the time when, you know, conversations can, be, can begin, uh, I suppose, in that public space about the process uh, of premature, prematurity and what you all go through. Yes, yes. After the walk, we come together to share our experience. Mm. And the father will be there attesting to what their family has experienced through their little warrior. Mm-hmm. And you should see the excitement on their face when they talk about this. And I'm so happy to see that. I'm really happy to see that, that, that the fathers are there and they're involved. Yes, yes. It, 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 is, it is refreshing to see and to hear that more and more dads, again, particularly from our communities, are are openly involved. You know, there was a time, uh, Mushala, where men, daddies, almost wanted not to be seen to be participating in the rearing of of their children. 
I see it more and more these days. Dads, I mean, I see it more open, and and, and it's 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 refreshing to see. Um, so so I'm glad to hear that dads are involved and so forth. You said something very interesting earlier. You you prayed as you were praying. You said to God, "If you are going to forgive me, forgive me now." What what did you mean by that? I meant that I was going through the most. Yes, and I felt that maybe God is punishing me with the situation that I'm going through. As mentioned that I had negative thoughts going through my mind. And I kept on saying, God, now this is too much. This is, I've, I've been through a lot. Yesterday I got a fright of my life when I was told my child is gone for a brain scan. And today my child has joined this. There's just a lot. I can't deal with this. Do you think that part of the reason why the conversation around prematurity so muted is because at some level moms feel responsible for that in other words they feel like they've done something wrong and that and they're somehow being pro- punished by providence and i and i'm and i'm beginning to say that maybe that's why we don't hear the conversation about prematurity is because at some level there is this feeling of shame that i'm I'm somehow responsible for my premature baby's uh, uh, premature birth? In most instances, we start blaming ourselves mm. that we failed our pregnancy, we failed our children. How so? Uh, explain that, Mushara. How so? And I, and I know that it is usually at a time that is very vulnerable, very emotional. So uh, the the logic and the rationality is perhaps... Uh, not at its highest levels, but explain to me what what is the the rationale behind that kind of thinking? How how do you get to a place where, as a mom, you think you failed your pregnancy? Explain that to me, if you can. Because nobody openly talks about prematurity, mm-hmm. and we feel that we could have done something better. We could have, we we could have done better. Like what? Prevent. Um, I don't know, because in my situation, I had a smooth pregnancy. Mm. I never got any any um, sicknesses in between. Yes. And I only got admitted to be treated for UTI. And I felt that maybe if it wasn't for this UTI, I would still be enjoying my pregnancy, you know. And seeing my child lying there helpless, helpless, I feel that. I could have done something better. Mm. And I feel that what my child is going through, you know, I should be the one going through those pains on their behalf. Because these children in the NICU, they go through so much, so much. And unfortunately, there's nothing that we can do as the mothers or as the fathers. Is Is Masonolo your only child? Or does yes, yes. Okay. No, she's the only one. Okay. I can still hear in your voice, Moshala, the the trauma of that moment, of that space, and I I don't know whether it, it, it remains because it it sounds very fresh in your voice, uh, and I suppose it's also got to do with the fact that perhaps on a daily basis you deal with moms that have gone through what you go through, and so the the trauma remains ever fresh in your mind have you gone through a healing process 
I've gone through, as mentioned, that I, my guy referred a clinical psychologist to start sessions with me, and I was not coping. She referred me to a psychiatrist. And I think I've, I've walked that journey, and today I'm speaking about my journey without crying. Mm-hmm. I feel that I'm healed. That's mm-hmm. why I can openly talk about my journey without sure. crying. Sure. I spent about three years crying. I could not fully mm. tell my story because I, it was still hurt. Today it still hurts, but I'm, but I'm stronger. I've learned to live with the trauma. I've learned to live with the pain of giving birth prematurely. And through the foundation, I would love to see a lot being changed. And that's educating different communities about this journey so that we can so that they can come on board and support us you know with us our children develop at different stages it's also challenging after experiencing the traumatic birth you also get comments from family and friends about your child yes my child started crawling on her first birthday she walked when she was 16 months and we constantly say in the in the support group that never ever compare your child with any other child. Indeed. Our children are unique like that. But we get comments that but your child is nine months but they don't look like they're nine months. Why is your child not walking at at twelve months? Why is your child not talking at eighteen months? It's because our kids develop at different stages. They were born at different stages of the pregnancy. And, and, and for the mom that is being interrogated like that, why is it, it must feel like a, 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 an invasion of... Oh, it must feel very insensitive for those kinds of questions to come through, yeah? It is. It is. Unfortunately, they, some of them don't know what we experienced. They don't know what we went through to get to where we are. So they are of that view that pregnancy books say that by nine months, your child should be crawling. By 12 months, your your child should be running around. But with us, we can read those pregnancy books for knowledge. But we will not follow those milestones as they are. Because our children develop at their own pace. As long as when we go for clinic checkups and doctors, this is the doctors and the nurses are happy, we are good to go. So we are raising awareness through the organization so that more and more communities can be educated about our journey and better support us. I feel that we need to be supported. We still need to educate the, 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 the globe about our experience of mm. giving birth prematurely. Mm. Last year when we hosted the second um, annual walk, where we raise awareness about prematurity. I mentioned that I, I've also noticed through my experience that our HR policies does not speak about prematurity. Mm-hmm. It speaks about full-term and mothers who have miscarried. Mm-hmm. What about us? Yes. Because with us, nobody knows how long our children will stay in the NICU. Indeed. 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 Some children spend over 100 days in the NICU. By the time the kids get uh, come home, the mother must go back to work. So is there some sort of advocacy work that is being done to speak to the Department of Health, at least, uh, to start being aware and sensitive to these realities? Yes, we are doing a lot of work through this hospital. This is we're collecting data. Mm-hmm. 
and through our through our online support group as well, we're collecting data. Because remember, for you to influence anything, it needs to be backed up by data. Yes. So this year we're going to host the first uh, virtual information session with specialists, with clinic family, so that we can discuss this matter broadly, and so that eventually we can submit or present to Parliament so that we can be included in these HR policies, be it in the public or private sector. Because even the, 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 in the workplace, I feel that we are not fully supported. I saw it with myself. I saw it with myself when I went back to work. It was totally different. I was expected to operate as normal. And at that time, I'm dealing with the thought, I'm still trying to navigate my way through this prematurity. And I was expected to to work like it's normal. And there are mothers that try to go back to work while the child is still in the NICU because they gave birth at around 26, 28. The child is very tiny. When they get to work, it's so challenging for them. Mm. It's really hard. But, but there's a silver lining, silver lining to this journey. One, because of the trauma and the traumatic journey that you've been through both yourself and uh, and Matlogonolo, uh, the Matlogonolo Foundation was was birthed. <laughs> Excuse the pun, but it it was born out of the birth of Matlogonolo herself, right? Yeah. And that there is a positive message going out there that says, "Listen, we we can manage this process. We can work together. We can manage this." Thirdly, this conversation that you and I are having today is, is so rare. I've never had this conversation, and I've had lots of conversations. And, and so what that means to me is that you are beginning to put the, the question of prematurity, uh, premature birth, onto the mainstream agenda. And the silence is being broken. And I think that once we break the silence, then we can start influencing government around... Uh, uh, um, uh, the issues you and I have been talking about. I think this is such a powerful moment, uh, Wena Mushala. What, what, if anything, does the foundation need now? If somebody's listening and feels like they want to reach out and assist, how do they get in touch with you and what is it that would help you most? Sure. We need the nation to come on board. To help us at the moment we trying because mostly our target market is newborn i mean it's new families pretty families in the hospital it's not easy navigating both the public and private hospital it's not easy getting in there presenting to management sometimes you even go there three times and they reject you they tell you no we don't need your service mm-hmm. and that service is not for the hospital it's for their patients because once they leave the hospital, they, that's when they, it, it becomes so difficult for them. That's when it becomes so lonely. So we are their safe space. <laughs> and we hope that we can have more hospitals approaching us to work with us. And we've seen the past two years, there's been quite a lot of improvement yes. with the hospitals coming on board to work with us, both public and private. And we're working on that. But at the same time, we need resources to go to those hospitals. 
I remember in 2022 when we hosted our very first family fun walk, we went to over 20 hospitals in housing to try and get um, get to meet with management to present to them what we as the organization are intending to, to do sure. for their patients. But it's not easy. Michelle, we, yeah. I, I'm sorry, yes. sis, uh, we've run out of time. Okay. But, but as I stand up to salute you and to thank you for the work that you're doing and to bringing a spotlight f- to such a very, very important conversation. I must ask you for your contact details for anybody that might want to reach out and assist or get more clarity as to how they can perhaps uh, uh, assist you and you can assist them. Uh, give us those contact details. Yes, they can reach us on 76 802-9912. Give me that number or again. Or they can send okay. 076-802-9912. Or they can send an email on hello at mashoronolotobile.org. Mashoronolotobile.org. Yes. Or they can visit our website, www.mashoronolo.org. Moshala, I want to thank you. I've run out of time, but I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for your work and uh, the journey that you have gone through together with Mashoronolo. Uh, may, you guys, may you guys grow from strength to strength.